This is episode 48 of Outlander Cast with Mary and Blake. I was helping people. But yes, that makes me feel good. Gives my day meaning. What about me? I spend my days and nights wheedling and flattering a man so I can gain his secrets and undermine his cause. When do I get to feel good? When do I get to find meaning in my day? All the way from Providence, Rhode Island, welcome to Outlander Cast. It's a podcast dedicated to the show Outlander on Stars. I'm your host, Mary Larson. My name's Blake. And I'm getting a lot more comfortable in France. Oh, yeah. A lot more comfortable now. Not comfortable enough where I'm ready to eat snails. <laughs> but I'm feeling pretty good. I or, can totally or caviar. Go. I can't do caviar either. I I eat caviar. I can't do pate either. I feel like pate we is ate French. pate last night. Yeah, but but like like serious like pate like that was just chicken pate and it was just you know whatever. You mean like on a regular basis pate? Yeah, I don't think okay. I don't think I could do pate. Like I, I feel like it's cat can. food. <laughs> anyway, is, is pate even French? It sounds French. I don't know if you say it with an accent, it can okay. be. It should be like Mexican or something. It's not Mexican, <laughs> I assure you. Well, now people know how culinary we are. I know. <laughs> I got to tell you though, I am really starting to uh, to get groovy with France here. Uh, mm-hmm. And I feel like Ron Moore has like gone into my head since our last podcast episode, since the listener feedback episode, literally heard my example of Back to the Future and said, aha, this is it. This is what I'm going to do. And uh, and amazing, amazing, really good stuff. Mm-hmm. Really, really good stuff. I adored this episode so incredibly much that I just want to jump right on into <laughs> the GBG, otherwise known as the Good, Bad, Great. Yeah, what do you got for yours? All right, so my good are the costumes, and not only the costumes, but especially Jamie's. Jamie's really stood out to me a lot for this episode. Um, there was that one particular one that was almost like a dark blue oh, yes. coat. Yes. Over this like beautifully embroidered shirt underneath. My gosh, and he was just so moody. But I was like, "Honey, you are looking good." So uh, and I love his hair good. too. The, the hair is fantastic. The pulled you, back look. Oh, the pulled back look. People are fans of. I. I I love his hair no matter what. I think he has gorgeous hair. (laughs) Uh, My bad is Claire's attitude, and in particular, her attitude towards the servants of the household. Mm -hmm. I just think all of a sudden, Claire became way too comfortable having servants, and she doesn't even say thank you. We'll talk about that later, but I just felt like, you know, I know she's a lot on her plate, Mm -hmm. and she's dealing with first trimester pregnancy still. Why do you still have morning sickness? Maybe she has it all the time. She still isn't really bumping that much. Anyway, I know she's dealing with her pregnancy, and that can make her cranky, but her attitude towards the servants was bad, in my opinion. Not nice, Claire. And the great was the introduction of Mother Hildegard and Bouton. (laughs) And I know that you, my loving non-book reader husband, you can't fully appreciate, but goodness gracious, I just adore Mother Hildegard. How about you? What was your good, bad, great? 
For the good, uh, I liked the slight spycraft going on in the show with Jamie hiring Fergus, young Fergus, we Fergus, mm-hmm. and using him to steal everything and passing it off to, um, passing it off to to, to Murtaugh and yeah. then figuring out codes and uh, it was it was almost like a, a spy show or or a cop show, you know, or whatever, mm. you know, going through all that. I really enjoyed that. Them figuring out that whole process. The bad. You know, the actor who plays the Bonnie Prince. Yes, I am. I am just not into this dude. I I am like he. You're not into the actor, or you're not into the Bonnie Prince. I'm not into the portrayal. Now I can't tell. Well, I'll tell you what really bothers me about him. The the, the actor. Um, he, it's like he only has one face. He only has one facial expression, and it's like someone. If you ever notice it, his eyes are always bug eyed, and he always has this like I don't know this lip how he holds his mouth it's it feels like someone's like he has like something stuck up his butt constantly oh, see, i adore i adore this portrayal i can't stand it okay it, he just has this one like i think you're supposed to not be able to stand it though. like one surprise like ooh, like look like well, he's also always drunk and in a brothel yeah so you know he also kind of reminds me of jesse eisenberg a little bit ooh. um yeah he has that look about him but yet his face his one facial expression throughout the entire few episodes he's been in has something like has been like someone stuck something up his butt the whole time, <laughs> and he didn't know it was happening. <laughs> I'm surprised. <laughs> That's what it felt like to me. The great. Um, finally, we have something for Claire and Jamie. Finally, we have this pickle that Claire must traverse, mm-hmm. whether it's. Uh, telling Jamie about Black Jack Randall or not telling him and actually feeling like Black Jack Randall has to live in order for Frank yeah. to, to live. That is extraordinary you stuff. You dig it? You dig I, it? I am totally into this. And if you, if any of the listeners were, were listening to the listener feedback episode last episode, I, I talked about time travel. time travel is great. But it's only great if you if the person who's doing the time traveling actually has something personal for the time traveling for for it to work. Well, now she does. And oh man, excellent stuff. So my love, uh, what do you have for your kilt rating? My kilt rating is a big old five. Five. I'm giving this one five out of five kilts. I loved this episode. Wow. I had a blast during it. I just I. I had a lot of fun. I love France. I think it's beautiful. Bear McCreary, you just keep on coming, man. I mean, you. <laughs> I want Bear to score my life. I, <laughs> I just, I did. There was nothing that I didn't like aside from Claire's attitude towards her servant. So I'm giving it a five. Bear, Bear basically does score my life. I, I was redoing my kitchen today for the well, for the past two days, and all I did was listen to the Battlestar Galactica soundtrack for two days. So say we all. And it was all Bear's wonderful, beautiful music. So for my kilt rating, um, I'm going to give it 4.3 kilts. I'm giving it 4.3 because I, I really actually enjoyed this episode. Uh, I think it was phenomenal. Uh, but I didn't like it as much as the premiere. And if you recall, I gave the premiere four and a half kilts. Uh-huh. Uh, but I loved it a lot better than not in Scotland anymore. I feel like this episode righted all of the wrongs 
that was in not in Scotland anymore. Like it literally, it, it had like a checklist of what I said <laughs> and it was like, okay, yes, we'll fix that. Okay, yes, we'll fix that. And that's what happened. So because of that, 4.3 kilts for me. Why don't you tell me what the listeners thought, what their kilt ratings were? Molly Jones Jameson on Facebook says, five kilts, just like my beautiful wife. So glad this episode slowed down a little and allowed some breathing room. Yes, Molly, I totally agree. And Kenny is one of my favorite Outlander writers, and she nails it again. Fergus is exactly how I imagined him, as well as Mother Hildegard in Bouton. I'm going I'm to say it like that from now. Bouton. Okay. From now on, that's how it's going to be. Kelly Martinez on Twitter says, uh, I think I give it a 4.5. What I really did not like, though, was how they figured out the musical code so quickly. In the books, it took weeks. And Jill on Twitter says, more kilts than we're not than we're not in Scotland anymore, but less kilts than through a glass. Darkly, Bouton and Fergus and Suzette's breasts are the stars. Hey, I am glad Fergus complimented her breasts. Good job, Fergus. Getting, getting some chicken wings out of that bad hey, boy. He was, he was right. That was a good assumption. Well, you ready to get into... Uh... <laughs> yes. You know what? If you ever want to get chicken wings, compliment the waitress' breasts. Or, waitress. or or whoever. If you find a woman, compliment her breasts and you get please, a, you get a chicken wing. Obviously, no. <laughs> All right. <laughs> This episode of Outlander Cast is brought to you by the Outlander Experience. Have you always wanted to see the sweeping vistas of the Scottish Highlands and retrace the steps of Jamie and Claire, but were overwhelmed by the planning? Well, worry no more, because all you have to do is visit www.theoutlanderexperience.com where you can book a fully planned, fully escorted 10-day luxury tour of Scotland. Join Jeff Robertson, owner of the Outlander Experience, as he personally guides you through all of the major sites in Scotland where Outlander Season 1 was filmed and much more. Visit Jeff at www.theoutlanderexperience.com to book the trip you've always wanted but never knew you needed. And tell him that we sent you, Marion Blake. Theoutlanderexperience.com, where the Scottish past is alive, but the story will take your breath away. This episode was entitled Useful Occupations and Deceptions. A very cool, nice little name there. And it was written by Anne Kenny. So you may know her because she is an executive producer of Outlander. And she has also written, uh, so far, this is now her fourth episode of Outlander. Uh, You may know her from Lally Brock fame, as well as The Wedding, uh, The Way Out, and now this episode. And I think she also has two more coming up uh, for Outlander season two. And this was directed by one Metin Hussein. And uh, Metin, my love, uh, actually now holds a record for Outlander. Would you like to know what it is? I do. He has now the most amount of episodes directed in Outlander, beating out uh, Brian Kelly, who has four, and uh, one of our darling favorites, Anna Forster, who also had four. So from now on, when you see Outlander, you're going to end up seeing a, a lot of Metin Hussein, uh, because he has now the most amount of uh, episodes directed. Oh, awesome. Pretty That's cool, really huh? cool. Really cool. That's that. 
Well, let's get into this week's recap. Now, we're going to do things a little differently. Rather than going scene by scene, I just want to talk about the things that we need to talk about. Spice it up. Yeah. And based upon the title of this week, Useful Occupations and Deceptions, we are going to talk about people's occupations and deceptions, and that is going to lead our discussion. So occupations are cool, but deceptions are more fun to talk about. So we're going to start with the deceptions that we got to see in this week's episode. First off, let's talk about Claire lying to Jamie about oh. Black Jack Randall being alive. Is she lying? Well, uh... Or is she just withholding information? <laughs> Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, granted, she's now said many times he's alive or he's dead. Well, she said when it, she didn't know that yeah, he was alive. Okay. Um, but now that she does know he's alive, I I really think that this is where it gets very dicey. And of course, at the end of this episode, we realize that. Jamie's really excited because, oh, all we need to do is meet the Duke of Sandringham and this will be perfect. Except that means that Jamie will find out that BJR is alive. Because of Alex Randall and you know that that Sandringham is going to hold over Jamie's head. Yes. Likely. So. I don't don't know. I, I, uh, oh man, I, I'm not sure if she's lying. Uh, Okay, but she's she's, dece- I, she, she's, she's at least deceiving. deceiving. Okay, right. that, so it's the, it's proper under this. You're right. Now lying isn't the right word. She's deceiving right now, and the one of the things that really adds a big wrench into all of this, of course, is that Claire now has this this battle, this pickle, like that you talked about earlier mm-hmm. about how Frank needs BJR to live one more year, just right. one more year, because then it will be historically accurate compared to Frank's Bible that his grandmother had. But Claire now is concerned about BJR being alive. She didn't think about this before. Right. But now that Mary Hawkins brought it into her mind... She kind of is okay with BJR being alive. So this is this is a little funny to me. Um, Why? Because she knows when Blackjack Randall dies, right? She tells him such. She tells him, yes. Uh, in Wentworth Prison. She tells him, you're going to die here. Of course, we didn't know. We don't know when he's going to die. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also, Claire doesn't understand how time travel works. So if she can change... The future, yeah, yeah okay, she could but, have changed Blackjack Randall's death date. But in here, her here's another point of confusion too. If if she knows when he's going to die, mm-hmm. if she knows the the time is going to be seventeen, let's just let's just call it seventeen forty six. Okay, yes. if she knows it's going to be seventeen forty six, she must know that he doesn't die when the cows come running home and stomp on him. She must know, right? Well, she knows that he needs to be able to be with Mary Hawkins right. at so, some point so that So then why is she is convinced that he's dead? Because, as I said, Claire doesn't know how time travel works, and she yeah. thinks that she can change the future. So maybe she thinks that, that she was able to change it. But what is interesting is that she didn't think about Frank for all these months when she thought VJR was dead. Right. And now all of a sudden, you know, hearing Mary Hawkins talk about where she's from, now she's like, oh yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Oops. <laughs> I should think about that. But I have a killer I have a killer outlandish theory of the week, by the way, for this. The, killer. The bigger thing that I want to talk about is Claire deceiving Jamie. Mm-hmm. And and how Murta even joins now in this too. Um I 
I really have a tough time with it. I love the moment when she and Murtaugh are deciding, yep, it's for the better that we not tell him because if he goes looking for him, he's going to get hanged. It's literally, there's there's no good that can come out of Jamie knowing that BJR is alive. But then when they realize that the Duke of Sandringham is now in the picture, Murtaugh says, obviously we got to make let him know. Mm-hmm. And they have those eyes, you know? <laughs> yeah. And Jamie even asks, he, you know, he asks Slayer, is everything okay? You're going to say something? And she was about to say something. She, yes. was, she was about to. And then she, he asks her, hey, what's going on here? And then you see this look on Murtaugh's face like, oh, come on, what yeah. are you doing? You're going to make this worse. And this is the second time that she's done this now. She did it when she was going to the hospital. And Murtaugh's saying, hey, Jamie ain't going to like this. Mm-hmm. You need to tell him. And she's like, he'll be happy if I'm happy. You know, which I thought was a little presumptuous. I thought that was a little tough. And now she's doing it again. And uh, this this is this is tough for not only Murtaugh to accept, but you, you see the train wreck that's that's about to happen. Well, and, and it's like this was Claire's opportunity. And Claire could have really come out and said, you know, I didn't want to tell you because I just found out recently and I didn't think it would be a big deal. But but now it's like it's <laughs> the longer you wait, the worse right. your deception becomes. So, so do you think she has to tell him? Do you do you think she has to tell him? Oh gosh, I I do not have this. Like, is what go would down. you do? What would you would you? If, oh, it's, let's say we were in this situation. Would you tell me? Yes, you would. Yes. Okay. All right. I totally would. Because I would tell you too. I mean, let's be honest. If I was Murtaugh, I would have been like, Jamie, your wife's not telling you this, but I'm just gonna say it because <laughs> yeah, because I'm here too, <laughs> and this is gonna make all of our lives a little oh. easier. I I was waiting for Murtaugh to not. To say something, but that's only because that's how I would have acted. You are my Gryffindor. You just get in. <laughs> you just get in everything. All right. So that's how I feel like you're a wizard, Harry. <laughs> oh, Sorry, there's I had be to. more of that later. There's another <laughs> Harry Potter reference coming on up pretty soon. Can't wait. Uh, Claire, I feel like that was her big deceiving point of this episode. Would you agree? Oh yeah. No, and you know what the thing is? She's deceiving herself too. Mm-hmm. She's deceiving herself because she's trying to live a life that she is not built for. She's not built for servants. She's not built for uh, high tea with with Louise and Mary Hawkins. She's built for uh, taking care of people and taking care of things and and kind of being being like involved with other things, like being involved with a big deal and yeah. relying on herself. And, but she's trying, her deception is, is that she's trying to live the life in France that she's not built for. Girlfriend ain't built for a lot of things in the past. She's a strong-willed woman. Right. Well, let's talk about Jamie. Okay. Jamie's job right now is to deceive people. And this is so hard because Jamie, Jamie's a Gryffindor. Jamie is is. a truth-telling, brave, brave man. And literally his job is to be at a brothel where he doesn't even want to be with the Bonnie Prince and pretty much deceive the Bonnie Prince all of the time right. and act like he is his buddy act like he is his, they have a bromance they they go here almost every single day and he's up late every single night coming home and he too is living a lie he right. hates it he doesn't he doesn't want to be out smelling like cigarettes and and uh, not cheap. cigarettes cheap <laughs> smoking cheap oh yes and <laughs> 
he's becoming really short-tempered because he's not sleeping so well. And I don't blame him. Mm-hmm. I mean, how, how, I, well, it's, I can't say that I don't blame him, but I'm saying like it, I, I see why yeah. he's becoming short-tempered. <sighs> and to top it all off, the Bonnie Prince asks him to speak to Monsieur Divinay on his behalf. So Man. just just keep slathering on layers of deception. And because he's going back to Duvernay and saying, "Hey, you got to tell this guy that this ain't gonna work." Mm-hmm. And yet he's trying to he's trying to make this meeting happen, and you see everything just crumble oh, yeah. right in front of him. Right, and there was nothing that he could do. It, literally nothing. This was this was gonna be my good, by the way. His his acting, his facial acting. Yes. As he is sipping the wine, watching these two talk. Oh, Sam was excellent. He excellent in this episode. Brought it in this he episode, did. and and it's it's making for great television, good character work for him. Mm-hmm. Because how does he go about this? It gives him something to do that actually matters to what Claire is trying to do, and, and they they finally they finally built on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and excellent. It's not just plot stuff anymore. Now now this is, holy crap! This is this is going wrong. How do we solve this? Because well, imagine imagine the position that Jamie is in now. Yeah. And in seeing and the the alliance that he's created with Duvernay, it was it was solely based on the fact that France didn't want to get involved mm-hmm. with Scotland, right? But now Duvernay has this option for the for King Louis. Hey, if we help these guys out we're going to be allies with Britain. We will literally change the world. We can mold it to how we see fit. That's a pretty sweet carrot to hang you, out in front. You, you cannot, you, you can't. You can't pass up you that can't opportunity. Pass that, no. And you, and you see that in Jamie's eyes. Mm-hmm. You see him like, oh my God, I can't believe this just happened. Uh, and, and, he, and he's getting somewhat outwitted by by the, the Bonnie, Bonnie Prince. By the Bonnie Prince. I agree. Well, the Bonnie Prince, let's talk about him being deceiving. Mm-hmm. He's been hiding from Jamie, a.k.a. his bro. Yep. That he has some serious financial backers. Not only that, but they're English. So why do you think he's hiding it from Jamie? I think because he only lets Jamie know what Jamie needs to know. I think that the Bonnie right. Prince, as pretentious as he comes off and as as <laughs> annoying as he may be to you Blake Ugh. I think the Bonnie Prince knows that he cannot trust many people right and has only told as I said has only told Jamie what Jamie needed to know and the reason this is coming up is because he needs to flaunt some money in front of Duvernay right right and and, and even then the, the amount of money that he has it's only 40,000 pounds which you know $40,000 well, is nothing. Well, he's not airing that out. Of course, we found that out later in the key. He's not telling people, oh, I only have 40000 He's acting like it's a big... That's the other thing. Right. He's, he's lying about that. He's acting like he has a lot more. And Claire and Jamie even say that, that that is not enough to fund a war. But it's enough. But it's enough to act as a presence right. so that he could bluff with he, it. He can prime the pump. Mm-hmm. That, that's what the forty. That's what the forty grand's for. Another way, oh, I totally forgot to uh, talk about Claire and her just knowing, of course, about Mary Hawkins. (laughs) Um, I just have to drop in this. The awkward birds and the bees talk. (laughs) Louise's reaction. Oh, man, that that was breathtaking. That was, men, it really was. Men don't do things like this where I come from. Where is that? The, the moon? moon? 
and the way she's like the way she's holding the cards over her mouth as she's laughing yes and she's trying to hold back the laughter because she knows i shouldn't be laughing at this girl yeah but she's so dumb that i it's like it's like when you're making fun of somebody and and you, you know you're not supposed to but you can't help it you can't help it <laughs> she oh my just gosh. just walked right into it just walked completely into it and louise, louise nailed it this oh. episode oh she yes, was fantastic she did oh Another person who's been doing some deceiving is Master Raymond. So we had an awesome time checking out his apothecary again. We get there, of course, because Claire is under the pretense that she's getting a... Well, she's actually getting some birth control. Mm-hmm. And um, when the way that I think of Master Raymond being deceiving is he has poison. He has a jar that's obviously marked as poison right claire even says i don't even know of any other use for this and he's like neither do i i just know that it's useful as poison (laughs) But he says i don't sell people poison i pretend i do but i give them something else that makes their their victims suffer but no one dies Mm -hmm. and claire says oh okay so you know your customer is satisfied that's that's pretty interesting so i think that it is very interesting that he even deceives his own clients and the funny thing is too you saw the comp saint germain walking out Oh, there is the some apothecary. Eyes. There's some there's some bad news going on there. Why is he going to uh, Master Raymond? Why is why do they have to keep the, whatever they're doing between themselves? And Master Raymond says, "Yeah, no, as always, no problem. That that's that's between you and I." What is what are they withholding? And what Master Raymond is deceiving the Comte. He's being cool with them, even though. They're not buddies. Well, he even explains that to Claire. Like, sometimes you got to do this. Oh, no, I agree. But I'm saying he's deceiving again. Like, there's another deception happening here. Uh, There's more things happening. Mm -hmm. And this, to me, is a a clue of something much larger to happen. Hmm. Uh, Comp St. Germain is going to this, is going to the apothecary for a reason. And they're not going to introduce this. Uh, unless there is a reason for it to be introduced. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if he's going to the apothecary to get something for uh, for Claire uh, or uh, somebody else. Maybe birth control. <laughs> we don't know. We don't know. <laughs> All <Plan> right, so, B. <laughs> so, so some smaller things that I found very deceiving. Uh, Mother Hildegard asking, like, am I, am I, you know, should I not be looking into this music? Right. Is there anything illegal or dangerous? And Claire's like, oh, it's totally okay if my husband's doing it. My, it's totally all right. It's important. <laughs> yeah, it's important. And Mother Hildegard's like, I met you yesterday. So, and, I, and you you drink pee. So <laughs> amazing. I guess I can trust you. Um, but you know she. It was like a little little kind of dicey area, so I, I added that to the list. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was even cool that, as a deception, is the artwork that was being painted on the woman at the brothel to make it look oh, like clothing. Yes. So even just a physical artwork piece that could be very deceiving to the eye. Just lots of things that could be woven into this title. Uh, the last thing I wanted to ask you are the servants. Can you? They're they're of course characters that keep popping up. Mm-hmm. Do you think that they were in any way, shape, or form deceiving? Um, one of the things that I really didn't like was that Suzette aired Claire's dirty laundry, and by dirty oh, laundry I mean yes. clean bed sheets. Because for her to say that, I mean, whatever. Murtaugh like pretty much knows everything, but obviously he thought Claire and Jamie were still being very physical. And I don't know why Suzette needed to say that. Now, granted. 
Claire had the VO saying, we trust these servants wholeheartedly. You see them just spouting out, you know, all their secrets in front of them all the time. But I just didn't like that Suzette did said that to Murta. And granted, I guess maybe we want him as a character to know. But on the other hand, I don't know. I just didn't like that a lady's servant would do that. I don't like that either. I, I, I really don't like that. Something. It's not that I don't trust Suzette. Um, but you know, she's, she's being deceiving in her own way. I mean, she's going out there and, and bumping uglies with Murtaugh. No, that's totally fine. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. But she isn't, you know, she's not being upfront with people. Well, she wasn't mending. Wasn't mending. (laughs) You know, I mean, she was mending, but she wasn't mending, you know? (laughs) So, you know, that too, more deceptions, all the codes that Mm -hmm. Jamie has to break, Mm -hmm. uh, with Murtaugh, uh, even, even the key, the key is the key. Uh, that you have that Mm -hmm. there's a lot of good deceptions going on in this episode and I bet we'll find even more as the week goes on well let's turn to the useful occupations of course we'll start off with Claire she hates the occupation of being a stay-at-home wife and just having tea time can't stand it no and I loved the thing where she said they're not my ladies yeah and I also like the one too where she said uh, I'm an an unusual lady Mm -hmm. or at least I was yep and you see her you see her literally falling apart at the seams. Oh, it's so hard. As this happens. And it's so hard because, you know, of course Jamie doesn't want her to be bored or sad or lose her sense of self, but I also feel like yeah, this 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 episode was so great because you could totally understand, at least in my opinion, each of their point of views. Right. Claire's point of view of being bored and I want to just be useful and I have all these amazing skills and I could do all this stuff and I'm bored just playing cards and watching Louise get waxed. And Jamie, on the other hand, saying, girlfriend, the sooner we're in here, <laughs> you know, working hard and spending all of our time right. trying to, to stop this, the sooner we can be getting home to Scotland. I don't want to be here either. And when do I get to do something that I enjoy? Right. I want you to take care of my baby Please don't go to a dirty hospital. <laughs> don't <Please>. drink booze. <laughs> well, they have to drink booze at this point. Yeah, uh, once true. again, there's no Aquafina. Yeah. So, Sassanak <laughs> <laughs> wasted. Yes. Um, you know, I want you to take care of the baby, and I also want you to be here so that when I do come home, I can bounce ideas off of you. Think about it. Once again, Jamie does not have a therapist he can turn to. <laughs> he has Murtaugh, right. who... Just wants to kill the Bonnie Prince. So Murtaugh isn't really a great person to always <laughs> and, bounce and, ideas and, off and, of. And do some Suzette. That's, yes. what, he, that's what he needs. So he, and, and this whole entire thing is because Claire's from the future. Right. So he needs to turn to Claire. And I can kind of get, they don't have pagers. He can't, he can't text <laughs> her and say, hey, Claire, what do you think I should do? The, the funny thing is, is that the first thing that came out of your mouth was a pager. pager. Like, you are such a kid of the, of the Nine, 80s and 90s. I know. Oh, he doesn't have a pager. Like there are there are literally kids today that like that work for me at one of my stores yeah. that have no idea what the hell a pager is. I guess because I was picturing her at a hospital and she'd have a pager on it. <laughs> I think that's why I said a pager. Would, would Jamie dial nine one one? Yeah. One four three nine one one. So, oh, so I love though that Claire. I, I understand that she doesn't enjoy the role that Jamie necessarily wants for her, and I love that Master Raymond was able to suggest to her that she should go volunteer here at the hospital but jamie does have a point the the quicker we figure this out the quicker we can get back to scotland and to be honest as a viewer 
I want them back in Scotland. I, and I, I know I know I just said I'm, I'm comfortable with them in France. Yeah. I really am. I, I I'm start, I'm starting to enjoy it. You know, the the the, the costumes and and the, even the CG, all that stuff fantastic. But you can only throw so much lipstick on a pig. Like you, you can only do so much. And France so far has not been great for Outlander. I, all I want them to do is to go back to Scotland. So well, Scotland is just stunningly gorgeous. And, and, but I, France I is too. France is too. Like we have that scene in the opening credits with the king yes. and the and you know how we uh, we've said that we've loved that shot with him walking mm-hmm. and the suit and everything. Love it. And the 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 thing is, the quicker they can get in, the quicker they can get out, get back to Scotland, and live their lives. Because Jamie doesn't want to run a wine business. You see him struggling writing writing the notes down on the ledgers and struggling with his to meet with like the the king's associates about the business. And then he's got to run to Versailles to play chess with this with Duvernay. And then he's got to go to um, then he's going to go meet uh, the Bonnie Prince. And what's Claire doing? What's she doing? Lancing boils and doing in no way shape or form helping the cause for which she started it was her idea mm-hmm. and she even admits it it's all on jamie now jamie didn't ask for any of this and i'm not even sure if jamie's equipped to handle all of this i mean he is smart he comes up with the thing with fergus and and and, and, and stealing and all that other crap jamie is equipped it's hard the book hasn't the book Jamie's equipped to be able to take this on, but I agree with you. It's he just wants his partner in crime to be his partner in crime and not to be at the hospital. But it's Claire. It's part of who Claire is. So maybe if she can just do it part time, that would work out really great. Like if she just does it in the mornings when there's not a lot of juicy stuff going on. I love that she's now able to go to the hospital. Me too, because it gives is, her it gives her something more to do other than just sit around. It's essential, Claire. Claire is right. a healer. Claire is brilliant. I mean, you just saw she was able to taste the urine. She was able to do all of these amazing things. And Claire also has a special gift of beautiful uh, bedside manner. Mm-hmm. And she really just kind of brings her knowledge in a kind way quick efficient way so i love seeing claire be a healer i love having a smart i've uh, one of the big things about outlander is it's a strong smart female lead right this is a great way for claire to be able to do that without her having to sit at louise's laughing behind cards and you know she can only get so much out of louise Right, and and just in 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 terms of the story itself, having Claire sit on the sidelines and be Mm -hmm. with Louise and and laughing behind cards, although very funny and very entertaining, it it's not going to do much for that character. She she's going to be sidelined, and that is boring, especially when it's your main character when you've built a reputation on a strong female heroine mm-hmm. you, well, you need her to take you need her to take control of her own destiny and it's already paid off it's already paid off that she's at the hospital with mother hildegard knowing knowing the music and, and bach and the piece and the key and figuring all that stuff out mm-hmm. it's already it's already paid off dividends here so it this is a smart choice let's talk about mother hildegard let's talk about her occupation right is she the uh, the head of the French school for uh, for girls? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Harry Potter. You're a wizard, Harry. Yes, the so actress cool. is. 
has also been in Harry Potter, and I just adore her. When I heard that she was cast, I got very excited because she's Hagrid's girl. <laughs> my my worlds have collided. I adore this character as a book reader. I think she's fantastic. I think she has been portrayed exceptionally well and true to book form on the small screen. I love Bouton. Bouton. He's, he's, <laughs> he's what a cool occupation for a dog. <laughs> Go smell that person. You're an, you're an infection smeller. Tell me what's messed up with them. Well, animals have really great senses, uh-huh. but I mean, this is just, it's a really interesting, I love that she is a musical prodigy and that she's friends with, you know, she's friends with Bach. Poor, yeah. Poor just, Bach. Just hanging out. You know. What's up, Bach? What's up, Sebastian? Yeah. What's up, bro? Oh, how do you know about his music? It's not yeah. really like a big deal. <laughs> and you see Claire's face. Have a lot of Her heart. reaction was great. She was like... <laughs> You know, so Johann Sebastian Bach? Yes, and even Jamie looking at her like, oh, I'm going to ask her about that later because that's something about the future. <laughs> those, those are Claire's future eyes going on right now. <laughs> I was really excited about seeing them. I, I just think that they're beautiful characters. Can we talk about Jamie's occupation? Well, before we oh. talk about Jamie's occupation, I do want to mention the fact that, you know, Claire couldn't tell about the infection in the guy's leg, oh. the, that which was fine because, you know what, you... you you can't test. You don't know. It, it, it's, it's just a sign of the times. But what causes the infection is this shard of wood, which I imagine is what it is. How did they not notice that when they first examined the guy? How did, how did they not see that in this guy's leg? How did they not rip that out? Something went in his in his leg. How did they I not? Were they like, ah, he just has an entrance wound? Yeah, that was confusing as well because you're right. They made it sound like there was another infection down just in the muscle or below that wound, but then exactly she pulled something she pulled else out. Thing like, out. Well, they might have just missed it. And it, it. wasn't small either. No. It was at least two or three inches. But it makes you wonder how bad all of the wounds were before. Sure. And so they might have, you know, things happen. Things happen even modern day right. where they go back and they're like, oh, Oh, we're really sorry about that. All I know is that scene was gross. So I didn't know that they actually pulled something out until the second time I saw it because I covered my eyes. <laughs> oh, as soon as Mother Hildegard squeezed that wound and stuff came out, I was like, nope. She's and like, I put my hand Blake, over my tell eyes. Me. <laughs> tell me what I can look. And it takes a while. For those of you who do need to cover your eyes, you appreciate it. But I kept saying, is it over, Black? And he's like, nope. Ew, nope. Nope. It's still not over <laughs> don't yet. Look. So don't look. Don't <laughs> look. So I didn't see the shard until much later. <laughs> until the second viewing. So disgusting. Jamie's occupation. Yep. Okay. He wants to know when he could feel good and find meaning in his day. The poor thing. His purpose is to try to stop this rebellion. He has to be the bro, the the best bud to Bonnie Prince Charlie. Oh, my and God. And yet keep, keep track of all these people's names and run the wine business and be a husband. I mean, he has so much on his plate. Mm-hmm. And I haven't been watching him drink any coffee. Where's the cafe? <laughs> Just wine. Lots Constantly. of wine. Yes. This poor guy. He's burning out. He's got a lot going on. Yes, and he does. I can see why he kinda he kind of he kinda loses it on Claire here a mm-hmm. little bit. Um the how do you even how do you even start to quantify what this guy's doing, right? How do you even start to like how how are you even able to actually achieve any of the stuff that you need to achieve the job that you came here for is like you're only doing it a quarter of the time you know what i mean like he's with bonnie prince charlie somehow he's gotten involved with him and earned his way into his highness's charity Mm -hmm. and he has all this other crap going on too 
think about that identity crisis that that Jamie is going through. <sighs> Not only does he love Scotland, he knows that he wants Scotland to to be itself. Mm-hmm. He knows that you know having a Stuart is probably what he wants, uh, and he loves his country. Then again, he has to prevent a rebellion that would create the country and put a steward on the throne. And then he has the identity crisis of, like, even I'm uncomfortable watching Jamie in this role. Um, not not the not uh, not Sam, but Jamie the character. Like Jamie, I, I'm not sure based on the sh- within the context of what the show has given us that he is entirely used to. Um, being uh, Lord Brock Turok, you know, or uh, being in this high society. I'm not sure if he's built for it. Because at least what the show has given us. He's he's just going through a rough patch. That's he what I'm saying. The identity, the identity crisis that Jamie is going through here. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. He's juggling so incredibly much. And then you add to the fact that you have all the crap with Blackjack Randall that, ju- <sighs> that just happened not that long ago, by the way. And... And poor Jamie. Like, my heart just goes out for Jamie so much. I know we're excited for Claire, and yep. I know we're excited for Mother Hildegard, but Jamie is so wounded emotionally, physically. He's exhausted right now, and we all know that he's going to have to see BJR soon. <laughs> I know. I see, mean, you know what's coming down the pike. You know when you know when bad things come in threes? Well, I just feel like bad things just keep on coming for Jamie. Prince dies. so bad for Jamie. <laughs> Jamie sees BJR. Oh, my goodness. It's happening and, and think of this too jamie knows that his relationship with claire is not correct it's not it's not what it should be no and it's not what it was and think of how much he loves claire how much he's given her like emotionally physically everything mm-hmm. and to and to sit there and know each and every day that something is off it's off because of where we are. It's off because of what's happened to me. You just start going down that 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 tornado of like, this is bad, so it creates this. And because that's bad, it creates this. It's like this tornado of depression that Jamie is battling. And he has to, he has the fate of his country on his shoulders, on top of it all. Oh, God. All based upon knowledge from his time-traveling wife. I know. And, and a lot of people have said that this was Claire's episode. And I'm not sure I agree. I think this was Jamie. This is totally Jamie's episode. I love so much about Claire in this episode, but all of my heart is aching and feeling and excited and worried for Jamie. I mean, God, that smile at the end of the episode. It was like a boy on Christmas morning coming down the stairs and seeing the tree (laughs) and all the presents and saying, Santa came! Santa came, Mom We figured it out! (laughs) Oh, gosh. And then you realize... We need wine. Let's celebrate. And then you realize all your presents are cold. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and you have to see BJR soon. This, or... I mean, the poor guy. I mean, it, there are some great things that come out of what Claire is doing, or what. I'm sorry, there are some great story things that come out of what of what Claire is going through. Uh, meaning this this um, this dichotomy of having uh, responsibility for making sure Frank lives because mm-hmm. of Blackjack Randall, but also having to deal with her husband and say. This is happening here, uh, and and her love of Frank is preventing her from fulfilling her love of Jamie. But her love of Jamie is preventing her from 
being how's being that okay conversation gonna go so if and when she does tell jamie of course she's gonna she has to tell him then how is she also gonna be like oh by the way he needs to stay alive for another year right Please. and and do you think jamie's gonna be cool with that do you think jamie is gonna be all right with hey we, let's keep blackjack randall alive because a man you never met <laughs> needs to live who just happens to be my 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 husband too oh, oh man. man that that's a Woof! That's a conversation. I can't wait to see that one. Let's talk about uh, briefly the servants' occupations, particularly Suzette, who didn't really do her job too well mending. Mm-hmm. You know what? As I said earlier, Claire and Jamie have gotten quite used to the servants. They seem very comfortable. This was my my bad for this episode. I really didn't like how Claire treated the servants this episode. Yeah. I feel like she went from being very awkward and not used to having people help her out to now pushing it's people like, out of the yes, way. It's almost like they are part of the scenery to her. She doesn't even thank people. Mm-hmm. She is I mean, listen. You don't know what Suzette is doing. Granted, we find out that she was being with Murtaugh, but Suzette could have been busy with something, and instead, Claire runs up there. Suzette, I asked you to mend <laughs> yeah. this. You know, like it, like it was the end of the world. And who knows? Maybe she really wanted to wear that lace to an event this evening, and it was very important. I think that was more of an affectation of the fact that she just found out that Blackjack Randall's alive. Yes, and that she's got the pregnancy hormones. That, racing through her body. It. I know. I'm. That's gonna be yes, 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 yes. I just feel bad because this entire episode, Blake. It wasn't just that one time. This entire episode, I felt really bad for the servants. However, Jamie at least was saying thank you. Right. I did note that. I was like, okay, all right. He did say thank you. Uh, okay, Fergus. What do you think of Fergus and his new job? He went from pickpocket. And you know, bus boy. You know, I normally hate kid actors. I usually hate them. Yeah. Um, because they just don't know how to act, and it, it, that's not their fault. They just they're just kids, you know. Uh, but this kid seems pretty good. Yes. And when he was complimenting, uh, when he's complimenting about the breasts and the chicken wing and running around stealing stuff, and then how he was dealing with Jamie, uh, I thought it was all really good stuff. And how smart of Jamie to actually think of this kid as as not a problem. But an asset. How smart of him to not think to think of him while he is drinking his sorrows away by himself at the brothel. I, I know that that's where Jamie went. <laughs> he had a bad day at home, and he's like, "I don't know any other bars. <laughs> I'm just gonna go back to the brothel. Maybe they're still painting that woman." <laughs> he went there by himself. I don't know. Why did did he, he say it like pub? that too? I don't. I don't know any of these bars. I don't know any other bars. So uh, we're going back to the I brothel. I really did. I was like, Jamie, you don't have any other pubs. <laughs> this is really. Maybe he has a tab. He's probably on the Bonnie Prince's tab. Yeah. So he was just like, whatever. I'm going back there, so I don't have to pay for my wine. Uh-huh. But you're right. I mean, there he is, and he's sad, and he's able to watch this pickpocket, but also. You know, right after he catches him, kind of has you know the idea of what he wants to do. How so. about the kid stealing his snake? Oh, that was Swanee. great. And you know, Swanee. oh, it, I I noticed this in the uh, in the show when you know Jamie's off doing all these tasks of he's he's going through his whole day of oh I have to go I have to do this I have to do X Y and Z. Uh, this is at the beginning of the episode. And you know Claire is Claire, and she is the modern, educated, independent. I'm going to take care of myself, Gryffindor kind of woman. And as Jamie is walking down the beautiful staircase to you know built by John Gary Steele, 
he is saying, hey, uh, could you have the servants uh, take a look for my uh, for my for my for my wooden snake? It's about yes. this big. Uh, and, you know, he's going off. Jamie's going off like doing like stuff. And he's telling Claire to find this snake. And she's saying, oh, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll go through the house. And he says, I, I, I'll leave it in your capable hands. Uh, and I don't think he meant that as a backhanded compliment, mm-hmm. but it just it's it spoke volumes to me. Like this is what Claire has been reduced to in France. She is now reduced to having tea with Louise and finding Jamie's little wooden snake. And yes, I know how bad that sounds. <laughs> I just realized how I said well, that. Do you remember it from the first season? I do. You I remember do. Claire giving that to him? That was the other weird thing when he had to tell her. And she, I wanted to be like, she found it and gave it. Like You guys already had this conversation in, in season one. Anyway, it's kind of something that us as book readers, we kind of geek out about the snake. So I know that you can't fully grasp it, but it's very, very special. It's a detail that... I. Uh, Honestly, if I wasn't a nerd about it, I yeah. probably would not have remembered. Yeah, and it's something that we're supposed to pick up. Then, of course, that that Fergus has it. So I, I am glad that they had the snake in there. I'm glad that Fergus had it, and right. this was a very uh, fun little way to have a nod to the book readers. Fergus has uh, his new job is to steal the letters so that they can copy it, and then Fergus puts it back. Right. Before anybody notices. Listen, if I tried to do that to my mailman, mm-hmm. he would <laughs> kick my butt. No, next he wouldn't. Tuesday. Do, no, he wouldn't because he's about eighty years old. Oh, he's, no, he is strong. He is. He's got he, old man strength. He, he does. He is very agile. For those of you who are out there, out there, you you know what old man strength is. It's just it's like this extra level of boost power and like after when you're like 50 when you're a guy okay somehow some way it just comes let's talk about (laughs) i just can't i'm still can't get over old man strength juvenet's uh occupation yep i really loved when his eyes lit up when that carrot was held out above for him oh my god okay so why would why would we help you well here's why you can have an alliance so now his new job here he was he was brought to the table to try to convince the bonnie prince to not have this rebellion anymore. right and in his reasoning the reasoning was we can't get involved in other affairs and if you recall what were he and jamie talking about in the chess match they were talking about Austria. And if you listened to the French history episode, you would know all about Austria and why France is involved because it's the War of Austrian Succession, which has started in 1745. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, 1741. Started in 1741. And France has now been involved with this war and sending huge amounts of people and huge amounts of resources all the way to Austria and wasting tons of money. So that's why he's saying initially the king can't get involved with anything else. But then, as I said in the podcast, the history podcast, when England owes you a favor, you do what you need to do. Like when, when, If you do something and England owes you a favor, that's what you need to do. And when you see, when you see him realize, holy crap, if I get this done... The Stuart King is gonna owe us big, and we're, we're gonna own him. You can't, you can't pass that up. You can't pass it up. 
So there you have it. That is our discussion about the useful occupations and deceptions. There were a couple other things that didn't really fit into these that I wanted to make sure we talked about <laughs> yep. briefly. Bear McCreary continues oh. to kill it with the score, meaning like kill it in a good way. He has been the most consistent part of Outlander season two I just, so far. I can't get enough. I just want this score right now. I I you know I even love the pieces during the credits a ton right. because nobody's talking, so I can just totally. I already. Focus like it better I already like it better than season one which is insane because I, I we love, love season one the, the, the first one and the second one we've yeah. been listening to them since Constantly. they came out exactly <laughs> especially because our daughter loves the Skyboat song so I just I, I'm, I just adore all of this music that Bear is doing. Um, mm-hmm. One of the cool things that if you go back to the scene when Claire comes back from the hospital and she's so excited and Jamie is not excited the they he had Claire and Jamie's theme, but it was played incredibly like in a low octave. Right. Yeah. And um, it was it was melancholy sounding, and um, I just thought, wow, you know, it's it's still their theme. It's still this is their marriage, and marriage goes through peaks and valleys. And he's even doing that with his score. So that was really cool. As I talked earlier, I loved the clothing in this episode. Mm-hmm. Normally we talk about Claire's clothing. I was geeking out over Jamie's, but Claire's were also quite beautiful. Right. She was standing out. The Steve McNutt, who is the the DP, director of photography, mm-hmm. or otherwise otherwise known as cinematographer the way that he lit um her clothing uh and then also the conversations that uh she was having with murtaugh mm-hmm. uh when with the night on one side of their face and then the the the, the glistening well not the glistening but the Candlelight. the flickering fire on mm-hmm. the other side of their face phenomenal stuff i always wonder since they do actually light it naturally with candlelight if they get nervous you know if they're filming for a long time and the candles go too too quickly and they're like crap we, we need to restock the candles. wait what are they what are they like crap okay crap. <laughs> murtaugh i you know i could have put him in the occupation but i just gosh they have fleshed out this character so beautifully. He was not right. like this in the books. And he is such a delight. <laughs> My favorite moment from him. Uh-huh. <laughs> he asks, hey, what's this? And Jamie says, that's music. And he goes, I know music when I see it. <laughs> and it, just his face. Yeah. It was just like, Are you effing kidding me? <laughs> I thought that was awesome. He's, he's just brilliant. I adore every single thing that either comes out of his mouth or even his facial expressions. Another point that I really wanted to bring up about this episode is that both Claire and Jamie looked incredibly happy for the first time this season. Right. But what was weird is that when one was happy, the other one was totally not happy. Right. And vice versa. So it, their happiness was never at the same time. Claire, of course, was ecstatic when she came home from the hospital talking about urine and pus and all these fabulous things. And she <laughs> was so happy. Like, this was Claire that we haven't seen in so incredibly long. And of course, Jamie had nothing but a scowl on his face. <laughs> You tasted urine, that's right. And then Jamie at the end realizing the the key was the key and we figured it out and we get to go home to Lollybrock soon and there's Claire. (laughs) Looking over at Murtaugh. Murtaugh looks at Claire. And then she's like, all right, time for the fake smile. <laughs> Here we go. I'm just so happy you're happy. Yeah. So Yay. I wanted to make sure we could point that out, that I thought it was really interesting that they were finally happy. And something else that finally happened is we talked about pregnancy. Yes, finally. Because, you know, like, 
seven months pregnant. No, she's probably she's probably like five. She's got to be pregnant. at least five to six by now. Start, Has to be. You know they they talked about the pregnancy. You saw the little bit of a bump. There was a teeny tiny little bitty bump. <laughs> there was. There was. I don't even call it a teeny tiny bump, but sure. I feel like that's that's like what she... I get after I eat a burrito. <laughs> She literally had burrito belly. But once again, sometimes women with their first pregnancies doesn't show until the very end. But to oh me, that's literally when I go to Chipotle. Oh that's my what God. I, I literally like laughed so hard I choked on my own spin. Thank Please you so much that. for that. That was amazing. By the way, don't ever go to Chipotle anymore. Here's a question for you. Here's a question. Yep. Um, Claire was awoken in the middle of the night yep. to a like vase or urn or something being broken yes and then she came out and that's when she she uh got to meet fergus and all that conversation but like nobody really addressed this terrible <laughs> vase breaking you just Who saw the guy carrying it, it off Who, at first i thought like did fergus do it I, I, and then when you found out that fergus asked suzette you know or complimented her breast then i thought oh was suzette like how dare you look at my breast and break it but no she was so happy that she gave him a chicken wing <laughs> so i don't know who broke the vase it's, it's, it's a little known trick from men just Compliment breasts and you get chicken. Um, I feel like it was Fergus. I feel like it was Fergus because he was trying to steal it and he <sighs> dropped it. Oh. And you notice how, you know, like <laughs> our, our son Godzilla is famous for this. It, he like he likes to stand up and jump in his bed. Yes, he And does. right when he's supposed to be sleeping. Yes. And he knows that if I open the door, he immediately jumps boom, right down like, he, like nothing was happening. I feel like he would have said, I'm sorry I broke your vase. No, no, no. Fergus... You know what he did? What? As soon as he broke the vase, ran around the table, sat down there with <laughs> legs up like nothing happened. I didn't do nothing. It wasn't me. What color was the vase? I don't know. I didn't see it. I hope it wasn't blue. <laughs> Why? Because it's all clear what it was a blue vase. <laughs> Remember? That's a valid point. That's all she ever wanted. That's a valid point. So I think it was Fergus. He's trying to pretend like nothing happened. Damn vase. So that that's uh, that's the deal with the that. The other question that I have for you is there was like this really long shot, mm-hmm. transition shot of Jamie Sporn. So Jamie came home from, you know, home from the brothel and he starts to take off his clothes and he smells like smoke and he smells like cheap perfume or whatever. But then he's getting redressed to go back out on the, his next day and he gets the Sporn put on. But as he and Claire are walking into their bedroom... It was a shot. It, his spawn was like his belt. It's pretty much like his belt slash fanny pack. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then you see the servant behind him scoop it up. But it was kind of like this obvious long shot. And I don't know why we had to see that or if we had to see it because then we had to talk about a snake missing from his Sporn, a.k.a. Fanny Pack. Um, for those who don't know, I'm just going to call it Sporn from now on, but if you now you understand what I'm talking about. The, the... Sporn, a.k.a. Fanny Pack. But yeah, for people who didn't know, that's what it was. Um... You are really a kid of the 90s. <laughs> you know, right? <laughs> Especially if it's neon pink. Uh, <laughs> so I just, I didn't know if that was like a visual transition, just because it was Jamie and Claire walking into the bedroom and how we had like a hard cut now into the other side yeah, of the room. Yeah, you know how what I think it's for? It? I think it's for, I mean... Yeah, I think it's for the, for this reason and this to reason it alone. Fluid? It's to keep it fluid, but I also think it's to show that Jamie is getting used to the idea of having servants. Mm-hmm. So he's just dropping his clothes, taking them, and putting them on desks and doing this. And his servants are coming behind him, boom, like down Nabby. There it is. There's a sporn. I'll take that. Thank you very much. And he's showing. They're showing the fact that people are picking up after Jamie a little bit here, and Jamie is just kind of shedding all of the. Shedding all of the crap that goes along with what he does, uh, with what he does uh, for the body prints and mm-hmm. all that, he's shedding himself, going back into his house, 
uh, and becoming Jamie once again after being with Bonnie Prince. Uh, that's the way that I took it. Interesting. Um, but there's a couple of other things I want to bring up too before we before we move on here. Um, not Murtaugh and Jamie are not the only ones that are interested in the Bonnie Prince's letters back and forth. Yes. Murtaugh says that that the seal had been broken at least two or three times before he mm-hmm. read it. Mm-hmm. Who else is interested? Everybody in Bonnie Prince's mail. Everybody. I'm sure that everybody is in, is, is 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 interested in this TMZ mail. TMZ is definitely the first person <laughs> to open that. But here's the thing: they're not going to introduce that unless they they give you somebody who has been reading this guy's mail. Who would have an inherent interest? in the Bonnie Prince I think to know could, what his mail is. They could also give you that to make you understand why it's so important that they write in code. Right. That, that makes sense. That makes sense. I get that. I get that. And uh, what was the other thing I wanted to, I wanted to ask you about? Oh, I wanted to talk about uh, Murtaugh's reaction to Claire when she kind of dresses him down a little bit. You know, you do know who runs this house? Oh my God. There were so many good Claire voice moments for this, for hmm. this episode. Um, and he kind of just like looks down and looks away and, and starts walking away and she apologizes. And she says, I, I, you know, I haven't been myself. And Murtaugh says, yeah, I know. You haven't been. Yeah. That means he knows that she hasn't been herself. Yes. And it shows you how smart and how intuitive yes. he is. Because remember they had that great bonding experience earlier right. in season one and now he's been with her nonstop all of these months. I agree. I agree. And Granted, he still doesn't know that she's from the future, but... We, we know that's going to change, obviously. Yeah, I mean, heck, it was in the previews. So that's that's no spoiler. But it's... There's a lot. He, he can read her. And, and Claire and Jamie do not hide things well. Right. I mean, aside from when they're actually doing it as their job, but... Murtaugh knows. Murtaugh, Murtaugh has been really one of the major assets of this season so far of the television series it's really it's been a a beautiful wonderful thing to see blossom especially because he's not like this in the book so i just it's awesome i'm glad that book readers and purely show watchers together get to enjoy him together so that's that's the episode. Where we're left next, of course, is Sandringham. We got to see in the preview. He's coming to Paris in the month's end, and right. so that means that Jamie and Claire get to meet the fella. And there's one thing I wanted to go over, too, just to make sure I get it straight in my head. Mm-hmm. They're saying that Sandringham is double-dipping, like he's he's hedging his bets yeah. for the Stuarts and for the Hanoverians. Yes. And I, I just wanted to make sure I got this right, I interpreted it right. Mm-hmm. He's double-dipping in that he is allowing and supporting and uh, backing Blackjack Randall to do whatever he needs to do to stop the uh, the Jacobites, mm-hmm. to do whatever he needs. That's it. Or, or, Think about it. He's a duke. He's literally like in the right. royalty. Right, so he, he's got to make sure that he what he, his outward deal is, is that he's back in the hand of variants. Yes. Okay, great. But in the meantime, he's also saying, oh, I got some lands and title coming my way if, if I make this happen. Oh, yeah. So let's help out the Bonnie Prince and yeah. we'll play both sides. He's just playing it, playing both sides. And that way he feels like he'll, oh, no matter what, be on the winning team. Right. Yes. Okay. All right. Good. I want to make sure I interpreted that correctly. Good job. All right. Let's do the listeners GVGs. 
Maritab on Instagram says her, I think it's a she, her good <laughs> is the introduction of Mother Hildegard and Fergus. Both are perfectly cast and they felt right at home in this story the moment they showed up on the screen. The bad, the explanation of how Claire remembered who Mary was. I would have preferred if it had happened the way that Mary was introduced last week. The great, the fantastic script that highlighted both the fact that Claire and Jamie are working towards a common goal, but they're drifting apart at the same time. However, it felt very organic and real, and you can tell that, that despite their problems, these two characters love each other deeply. Bravo and Kenny. <laughs> Gypsy librarian, librarian says the good Bouton, Sister Hildegard, and we Fergus, so happy to see them all. The bad, the obvious, emotional distance between Claire and Jamie. They operate in very separate spaces this week, and it was difficult to watch. The great, however, was Murta and Suzette. Murta, the codebreaker, he obviously hasn't felt very useful, and it was great to see him collaborate with Jamie on the music code. A bonus good was Mary and her naivete about what happens between the legs <laughs> and Louise's reaction. 88 Sakura gave this four kills and said her good was Jamie and Claire's relationship is still struggling. Mm-hmm. I think compared to the book, it's necessary for viewers to see that they are far-reaching consequences on both of them, not just for Jamie. What is the price to pay? That That is what's important. Mm-hmm. The Bad, 88 Secure 88, says, Mary Hawkins is looking like a caricature. I know that this is largely due to setting up the plot threads that are only just starting to sprout. And oh, the yeah. great was Murta getting some action <laughs> and Hildegard, Bouton, and Fergus Bouton. are all perfect. <laughs> hey, you know, the fact that Murta is actually getting laid, I mean, let's just be honest, let's just say that, it, 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 it gives him something else as a character. It gives him another little bit of a layer uh, that, you know, you don't expect mm-hmm. from him and you, you never really got from though, from guys like Rupert and Angus and Murta before. Well, Pity Mom 64, good Jamie speaking French. Ooh la la. Bad Jamie getting rubbed by a hoe. Oh, yeah. And great Murtaugh getting his groove on with Suzette. So she's okay with Murtaugh getting it on, but Jamie can't get well, rubbed by a hoe. Murtaugh wants to with Suzette, and Jamie is all set. Are right, you ready for the Kendra thought of the week? You bet. All right, let's do it. Miriam Blake, it's Kendra. I am so happy to say that I loved this episode. Uh, in an episode where they name-dropped Bach, they hit every note beautifully. I think I speak for all book readers when I say that of all the new characters, Madame Hildegard and Fergus were two of the most highly anticipated. As a Harry Potter fan, I got goosebumps when Frances de la Tour appeared as Madame Hildegard. She holds more emotional gravitas in a single look than most actors manage with a page of dialogue. Bouton is adorable, and Fergus is exactly as I imagined him. His first meeting with Claire, feet up, eating a chicken leg, is so obnoxiously wonderful. And the fact that he got the chicken leg by complimenting Suzette's breasts was hilarious. There was an interesting theme throughout the episode of the central characters finding themselves again. Claire finds herself in her work at the hospital. Myrta finds himself with Suzette. And Jamie finds Sonny the representation of his youth and innocence. It's interesting that Jamie finds Sonny in the possession of Fergus, who in many ways represents the brashness of a younger Jamie, yet unbroken by the violence and cruelty of the world. Cheers for Murta getting some action of his own. 
His life has been so tethered to Jamie and Claire's that he can seem at times like their servant rather than their kinsman, and it's wonderful to see him acting on his own behalf. (laughs) It seems hashtag get laid was more than a bit prophetic. In an episode full of wonderful moments, the best and brightest were addressing the strain on Jamie and Claire's marriage. The scene between Claire and Myrta just crackled with frustration, and it's notable that what finally causes Claire to snap is witnessing Myrta and Suzette. She's so starved for her own intimacy that she cracks, and even Suzette knows about Jamie and Claire's droughtlander. When Claire apologizes and explains some of her frustrations to Myrta, we feel a real sense of unburdening along with her. It's here that the cave scene in the search finally fully pays off. Now, there's still no excuse for the search, but at least that scene works. Uh, There's an instant, tangible understanding between them. In the final scene where Claire, Jamie, and Myrta work together to crack the musical code, that moment when Jamie and Claire turn to each other, both landing on Sandringham at the same time, could be so trite. But because of who they are as a pair and how much of a force they are when they work together, this moment just sings. Their excitement at overcoming this obstacle is infectious. It's also worth noting, looking back at the scene where Jamie explains his pickpocketing plan to Claire, how much more genuine her reaction is than the limp, I'm proud of you, from the previous episode. I'm proud of you when not much has been accomplished is the verbal equivalent of a head pat. When issuing praise, show you mean it by being specific. That's actually a good idea. It works so much better. I think much of the brilliance of this episode is owed to Anne Kenny. She just gets emotional intimacy. And more importantly, she gets Jamie and Claire as a team. I was so relieved because after last week, I was afraid I wasn't going to really enjoy Outlander this season, and I'm up to my eyeballs in it. Now I can say I am truly looking forward to next week. I'm going to give this episode 4.8 kilts. Thanks, guys, and I'll check back in with you next week. Salut! All right, Kendra, thank you so much. As always, we love everything that you have to say. And if you guys don't recall, she is the editor-in-chief of the Woo-hoo! Outlander cast blog. So always, always pay attention to what she has to say. She's actually like really super smart. Yes, you know, she is. She, like she's, she's pretty good at what she does. Uh, but something that I'm pretty good at, what, what I do... <laughs> You are good at sometimes and sometimes not. <laughs> is your outlandish theory. First, I want to let you know that this Outlandish Theory of the Week is brought to you by Ackroyd's Scottish Bakery. For over 60 years, Ackroyd's Scottish Bakery has been making traditional Scottish baked goods with contemporary flair. Throughout the second season of Outlander, they will offer a special menu of Outlander-inspired delicacies, and they ship throughout the U.S., so check them at ackroydsbakery.com, A-C-K-R-O-Y-D-S, and check them out for more info. And while you're there, tell them that Mary and Blake, we, I, and my wife sent you there and use the coupon code OUTLANDA to get 5% off of your purchase. All right, my love, this is it. This I'm is, sorry, this I'm is on the their time. website looking at their meat pies. and. Oh my God, yeah, it's really good stuff, Ooh, right? Pasties. Pasties. <laughs> pasties. Pa- <laughs> oh my! I could, you know, whatever. I I just that that Maryism macaroni pies. Okay, I'm hungry. <laughs> all right. What so, is your theory? The Lynch theory of the week for this week is this: We all know Mary Hawkins is going to end up marrying Black Jack Randall. It's going to happen. Okay, it's in the book. 
it's in the book that Frank shows uh, that Claire. Frank shows Claire while she's in the sweater vest, yeah, which I love. I hate that sweater vest. It's Whatever, the ugliest I'm buy freaking it. thing. It's like the brownies. That's what it reminds me I of. Love it. It's so bad. <laughs> So we know it's going to happen, right? And by the way, I loved the, the little flashbacks that, that Claire was having as she's talking about Frank and Blackjack Randall. Um, we know it's going to happen. So how does that happen? Well, she's not going to marry this French dude. Ain't going to happen. Something bad's going to happen to the French dude. The guy with all the, the, guy all with, the moles. Yeah, the, the one that what? wants to... <laughs> take his thing and put it between her legs. Oh, he didn't say that. He's <laughs> well, just she, he's French, so it, it's in, it's implied. Okay. Um, and but the the good thing for her is that she loves Alex Randall. Yay! I love Alex Randall. Woo! Yeah. But no, no, something bad is going to happen to Alex, mm. and that is why she's going to end up with Blackjack Randall. Like Legends of the Fall. Yes, totally. <laughs> Except not to Brad Pitt. (laughs) That would be a good turn, right? I know. So, no, something bad's going to happen with Alex. My feeling is that he's going to die. Oh, God. Uh, He's He's going to die. Uh, That's that's why he's going to die. Something bad is going to happen to him. And I'm also also thinking, now this this part of it's half-baked. I'm also thinking that Blackjack has a hand in what happens to Alex Randall. Oh, God. That's my feeling, because I I got a feeling Blackjack's coming to France, baby, and uh, and th- well, it's, it's gonna very, be bad news. Very interesting theory, Blake. I will now be able to put my eyes back on you, so that <laughs> I can handle. Please hang up and try again. Final thoughts, my love. What do you got? Loved this, loved this, loved this episode. Mm-hmm. I'm just so excited. I feel like the wheels are turning. I said in the beginning of the season that sometimes it takes until like the third episode for me to feel like that train is grooving right. and the Outlander train sure is. So I'm really excited to see where the fourth episode goes. Hoover, I'm not going to lie, guys. Oh, God. Ready for me to be a Debbie Downer? I'm like blushing as I say this. There's only 10 episodes left. <laughs> so it's kind of like the 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1 countdown from here on out. It and is I a don't know bit. how I feel about that. So next week starts the 10. And then there's only going to be nine. Oh my God, then it's time to single digits. <laughs> oh God, I'm getting so sad. All right, that's right, I'm just excited. And yet it's like senioritis. I'm just getting emotional. You know, for me, I really liked this episode a lot. It felt like Outlander to me. It felt like... It had everything that Outlander is, a little bit of sci-fi, a little bit of magic, almost, um, a little political intrigue, even though I, I don't want to get stuck in the politics, uh, like I've said, but it had a little bit of that, which was fine. It dipped its toes into the politics, but it, it grounded it in the characters, uh, which is which is important. Uh, really liked this episode. It needed this episode. It needed to get over the the hump of not in Scotland anymore. Uh, and I'm really proud. I'm really proud of Ann Kenny for the work that she did. Uh, and I and I hope. I hope and pray. Uh, and and I actually have full confidence in really that the episodes will continue to be like this going forward. But do you understand now? Remember last week I was saying, Blake, you had to have met all these people because there's going to be so much that you needed to do. Yeah. So. Yeah. But my but my argument was try to tell it in a more compelling fashion, uh, in 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 a more interesting way, right? But I think what they've done is yes, there there were there are things that, that they had problems with, and not in Scotland anymore. But 
they took everything that they that they had problems with and they corrected it. And they said, okay, this is how we're going to handle it. This is what we're going to do going forward. Is is not in Scotland anymore a product of what they needed to do? I'm willing to go that far. So now that we've built up that goodwill, now that we've now that we've used up goodwill from season one, let's let's take that forward and get back to the Outlander that we all know and love. And this uh, this uh, useful uh, occupations and deceptions is is the first giant step in that direction. Do you know what I mean? Yes, I do. Okay, so are you ready to close out the show, my darling? You bet. All right, let's do it. Well, as we close out this another yet amazing, fantastic, Oscar-winning, we are we are we're even up for a a a called Caldecott Award too. As a matter of fact, oh. yeah, we got we got Caldecott. I think Nobel's coming too. Okay. Uh, I got a, I got a le- I got a letter in the mail about it. Um, we want to let you know that this episode of Outlander Cast is brought to you by the Outlander Experience. Come take an intimate tour of Scotland with Jeff Robertson the owner of the Outlander Experience, embark on a fully planned, fully escorted 10-day luxury tour where you can retrace the steps that were had by Jamie and Claire in their romance. Visit quaint Scottish villages, magnificent castles, stay at historic inns, and explore the major sites where Outlander Season 1 was filmed. Visit Jeff at www.theoutlanderexperience.com to book the trip that you've always wanted, but you never knew that you needed, make sure you tell them that Mary and Blake sent you. TheOutlanderExperience.com, where the Scottish past is alive, but the story will take your breath away. Please reach out to us on social media. All of our handles are the same. It's OutlanderCast. That's on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can head on over to OutlanderCast.com to leave us some longer reviews about the episode or check out some of those previous interviews. And also through that website, um, you can support us. You can either take the website and tell a friend, hey, you got to listen to this podcast and you really need to get into Outlander. (laughs) You can see our Patreon and also our hotline number so that if you want to leave some listener feedback with your voice, you can do it right there on outlandercast.com. So, one, you know, we do have all of our Oscars and we do have our Marconi Award <laughs> and we do have our Emmy Award and, you know, we do have, uh, I think we have our BAFTA. We just got it in. It, it's sitting up on the shelf okay. and I'm really proud of them. But the one thing I'm, I'm really proud of that I really want, that, like it's better than the Caldecott Award, mm-hmm. um, is the Podcast Award. And I, what I, I'm hoping that you guys, the listeners, can... Um, can nominate us at the for the at the podcast awards, uh, and I will provide a link for the sh- in the show notes where you guys can uh, nominate us in either entertainment, TV and film, or uh, people's choice. Uh, and in uh, there, there is a there is a giant gathering of uh, uh, called the podcast awards, and a bunch of nerds get together and pass out trophies. And uh, we would be honored if you guys could take a minute to nominate us. Um, but uh, we want to let you know uh, after that, please visit the Outlandercast blog and check out all the wonderful articles that have been written by amazing, amazing authors, uh, including Kendra, who you've heard today, uh, Teddy Potter, who you've heard on the listener feedback episode, uh, and everybody that appeared on the uh, the, the pregame and postgame for the uh, premiere ep- uh, show. They just have excellent 
excellent stuff there. Uh, and if you can't get in touch with us uh, via the blog, you can always reach us at outlandercast at gmail.com. Or you can even get in touch with Mary and I at the Outlandercast Clan Gathering Facebook group, which is for readers and non-readers alike. And if you want to get in touch with the writers of the Outlandercast blog, or Mary or myself in a more personal way, we are there. And you can chat with us on a on a daily, hourly, minute, minutely, is that even real? Minutely basis. Can, we can do that too. Sure. That's why not, right? Well, until next time, ladies and gents. I'm Mary Larson. My name's Blake. And you've been listening to Outlander Cast. <laughs>